welcome to another episode of Visitings, where we talk to artists who are engaged with the public outside the traditional exhibition space. Why are they drawn to these communities and what's the stuff that inspires them? My name is Alan Nakagawa and I'll be your host. From 1973 to 1991, the Woman's Building was a beacon of artistic strength for the feminist movement. It was born, raised, and transformed in Los Angeles, California, though artists from around the world participated and presented at the building. Sue Mayberry, who is currently the Library and Learning Center Director at Otis College of Art and Design here in Los Angeles, spoke with us about her 15 years as staff at the Women's Building as the Administrative Director and later as the Program Director uh, from 1977 to 1988. So, um, oh, so if you could start with uh, saying your name and your title, what, what would you, which one would you pick? <laughs> well, okay. My name is Sue Bayberry. And I am the director of the Library and Learning Centers at Otis College of Art and Design. And um, how long have you been at Otis? Uh, 25 years, actually. I know. Has it been 25 years? Yeah, I mean, I thought I was just going to take that as kind of an interim job and, you know, go on to something else. And then I just ended up staying. You were there uh, back in the day when Otis was, of course, across the street from MacArthur Park yes. in downtown Los Angeles. Yes, and very small uh, population of students at that point. That was, you know, that was a great location for me and close to home and all that. And it had that gritty feel of a, you know, downtown art scene kind of thing. But honestly, it was really bad for uh, getting students because MacArthur Park being right across the street, a lot of drug activity, gangs and things like that. So the student population was um, dwindling. And um, also Otis was having a lot of problems with money and um, the president shortly after I got there uh, was asked to leave and... Um, so it was, it was hard. It was a hard time. And I especially thought I was not going to stay because I was friends with the president and it was just an ugly situation. And so, um, the new president came in, Neil Hoffman, who had uh, been at Otis er earlier, a few years before he had been the president and they asked him to come back and kind of help get it on its feet and he said, please stay, give me a chance, and it'll, it's going to get better. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll stay and uh, for a while. And he, within a couple of years, had figured out a plan to move Otis uh, across town to where we were. I was born in Kansas City, but I grew up in Claremont. And my mother worked at Pitzer College um, and so I, I just grew up in Claremont. So when I was, let's see, I first, I was in school, uh, at Cal Poly and so forth. And then I remember finding out it was, it was during the seventies feminism was, you know, just getting to be in the news all the time. And 
I read about the woman's building and that's how I, it was in the New Woman's Survival Source book, uh, which was a famous kind of thing like the Whole Earth Catalog. It was one of those kind of catalogs. And uh, I found out about the woman's building and just, you know, immediately. I had I'd been at Pitzer, I'd been at Cal Poly, and then I went to Pitzer because m my mother was there and I got a tuition remission. And so I was taking women's studies and art because I'd already finished my undergrad, uh, my um, general ed. So when I found out about the women's building, though, I had to leave school and just go there. <laughs> so I just couldn't, couldn't not. So you found out about the women's building through this uh, directory, through this, basically. Yeah, I just, you know, it was, it, was, oh. it was kind of a thing you could buy in any bookstore at the time. And I read about it, and I go, wow, I never heard of that. Women and art, you know. And, oh. and you know, at that time, I remember I had this teacher at Pitzer who was really sexist, and he was, you know, sleeping with the students and stuff. He later got fired. And, and um, you know, it was just, it was that kind of a thing where, you know, there was just the sexism kind of rampant. Not all the teachers were like that at Pitzer. Some of them were, you know, just fine. But I just, I just, the art world didn't seem that attractive to me. I, I liked making things. I was kind of crafty and that, and like that. But I couldn't quite imagine myself in the art world, honestly. But the woman's building seemed the right fit for me because it was feminism and art, two things I really was interested in. So that's why it kind of, I was really attracted to it. The woman's building was started by uh, Judy Chicago, right? Arlene, Arlene, Arlene Raven. Raven. And Sheila de Bradfield. They were, okay, so you want the little history of sure. the feminist art movement? Well, it's a feminist art education. So first there was, I guess pretty much first, there was Judy Chicago at Fresno. Suzanne Lacey was in that program. Um, Nancy Yodelman, a bunch of other people were in that program. Uh, Laurel Click, do you know Laurel Click? Okay, so they were in that program at Fresno State College. She just decided she would do this. And she kind of started developing her uh, pedagogy. You know, one of the things, for instance, she would tell the women, don't wear sandals, go out right now and buy a pair of combat boots, you know, work, work boots, mm -hmm. buy something that you can work in. Mm -hmm. So she would do things like that. She would make the women try things to build walls, to do stuff like that that they had never really done because she was... Um, combating sexism. This is in Fresno. This is in Fresno. Oh. So she had this program, I think it must have been 1970. She writes about it in her book, Through the Flower. So she stayed there a couple of years, maybe one or two, and then she went off to work at CalArts. So she got offered a job at CalArts, and she took a lot of those students with her, including Suzanne Lacey, who started that program, and she was a science major, a psychology, I think, um, major. She was going to um, be a scientist or a psychologist or, or something like that, and she got hooked up with Judy, and so then she went to CalArts, and she, uh, for her master's in, I think it was social practice, or social design, something like that. I think she kind of made up that, that program or that degree. But she went to CalArts, Laurel Click went to CalArts, and some other women who later came to the building went to CalArts. Uh, 
So that's where uh, Arlene Raven was. She was teaching art history. Sheila had started started at CalArts a feminist design program. And um, there were other people, uh, Mimi Shapiro and some other people at CalArts. So they all met each other, and I guess presumably they started talking, and they realized that CalArts was very hierarchical and patriarchal, and they, the, the, they were doing things that were not conducive to women having a voice. So they all kind of came to the conclusion that they needed to be out of mainstream institutions. So they thought that they would create um, a program, the Feminist Studio Workshop, that was outside of outside of an established institution. So that's what they did. And the first um, Feminist Studio Workshop met in Sheila's living room at her house. And the women tell the story. Here they were, you know, they did really nice graphics because obviously Sheila could do that. And they, they all came to this quote-unquote school and they met in Sheila's living room, and there was no building. There was no space. There was nothing. And within a couple of months, they had located um, the old Chenard uh, building, which was in, near MacArthur Park, which CalArts at that time owned. They had, CalArts had sort of grown out of Chenard. And um, so they, they found this building, and they got a lease on it for a year or two. And they told the women who came, you now have to build this building. You have to now, you know, build the walls, construct the space. And of course, there was a lot of anger and resentment and, you know, oh my God, what is this? We've paid our tuition. We've come to a school and now you're going to make us build the school. But, you know, they did it. And I think that they were, you know, I mean, they got it after a while, but that's what, it was, it was hard work. But so they built galleries and there were galleries. During that same time, just before they, they got the woman's, and they named it the Woman's Building, incidentally, because they thought what they would do is they would have the Feminist Studio Workshop have a home there, but they would also have galleries and they had Sisterhood Bookstore come and rent a space. And they would have all these groups, these women's groups come and be located in this building. And that would be um, you know, a space and the, the feminist studio workshop would continue in there. Um, around that same time, before the, before that, just before that, there was a um, group called Woman Space Gallery, which met, oh, I think over in Culver City, and people like uh, Judy Chicago, no, not Judy Chicago, well, she, I think she was a member, but um, Rachel Rosenthal and um, I think Ju uh, June Wayne, other people were, were creating this woman. Oh, Nancy Buchanan was part of that. Um, and they had this space called Woman Space. So Woman Space moved from Culver City into the downtown Chouinard building in the Woman's Building. So they were all there. They lasted about a year or so. And then they realized that the there's not a lot of foot traffic that they could get. It was kind of difficult, you know, to keep doing that. And eventually what happened was because there were so many women in the feminist studio workshop and they ended up as part of their, you know, giving back to the community, running the galleries and doing things like that. Eventually the galleries stopped being interested in having their own space. The feminist studio workshop was doing all the work anyway, kind of to run the place. And so the feminist studio workshop became, and the woman's building became synonymous I see. And so after about a year and a half, they lost the lease. They, the CalArts wanted to sell that building. And so they, f they, um, they found the building on Spring Street. It was in really, really bad shape. 
So the women who came that year, I think it was 74, 75, something like that, maybe 75, had to do the same thing over again, build all the space, scrape the walls, you know, do all that. And by that time, that space really didn't have any foot traffic. So Sisterhood Bookstore tried to have a bookstore there. There was Woman Tours, which was a woman, feminist tour um, travel agency. They tried to have space there. Nothing really worked. That, that was really off the beaten path at that time. Um, and so really that's when the Feminist Studio Workshop kind of, there just wasn't anything else. But the Feminist Studio Workshop, they ran the galleries. They did everything. Chrysalis had a space there for a while. Chrysalis Magazine, which had kind of the same people was running it. And that's, that's where it resided. We always wanted a space more centrally located. But... And we tried so many different things in different ways, just could not ever raise the funds to actually move or own a building or anything like that. Mm. So that was part of a, one, of, one of the issues. And she said, well, the way I saw, I saw it was that what we did it was time for it to graduate, leave mm -hmm. the building, and just disperse into society. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and it did. It did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the 80s, it was a struggle because there was a lot of backlash going on. There was a lot of anti-feminist uh, activity and rhetoric going on around there. And it seemed like also, you remember like the, the Bad Girls show and all that? Mm -hmm. Well... You know, it was like, okay, well, you know, where are the bad women? You know, what's the, mm. what's the deal here? And the women who were being touted as feminist, you know, like Barbara Kruger or Cindy Sherman or whatever, they, they did not acknowledge any kind of feminist uh, influence, feminist art influence mm. during that time. It wasn't cool to do that. But what I've noticed in time since is now the young women, having been at Otis through all that period, they they take it in stride. I mean, they totally get feminism. They they are very interested in Judy Chicago and the early feminist work. They are very interested in all that. And that so it skipped kind of a generation or two. And then it came back. And then I would have young women coming to me, oh, the woman's building. I wish that were happening now. It needs to start again. And in fact, those women for, from, um, it's oh, Women's Center for Creative Work, Women's Center for Creative Work, they came and talked to us one time. And we go, oh, why do you want to do a building? Why do you want to have a space? It's like so hard. And But they really, they were really, uh, adamant about wanting that and they've done well and so there is now now in the 2000s there are women who want that kind of space they're different than we were but they they do they want that kind of space and i'm gratified and encouraged by that i think we haven't feminism didn't complete its total mission there's still work to do but it's a different kind of work now and they're uh carrying that forward People just assume now that that's where I think feminism is. People assume we we achieved equality. Mm. They usually don't think so far, you know, into like well, why Hillary couldn't get elected or whatever. 
that there's still some misogyny there and still some work to do. But um, I think there are I think that having Trump as president and having Hillary having lost and all that, that that did raise a few eyebrows and did make some, you know, the fact of how Trump is, is making people appreciate the fact that um, there is a, still misogyny in the world. I, I hope they are, because honestly, I don't know why so many w- women voted for Trump. It, that That's totally a mystery to me. But um, I do think that there's a lot of people out there and men, too, now, because it's really broadened. And there are men feminists. The the men that are the young men's male students that I talk to, they consider themselves feminists generally, a lot of them. So that's that's gratifying. That didn't that didn't happen so much in the 70s. That was a rarer thing. It was mm-hmm. delegated to just women. Well, you know, there were people like you, of course, who are just out there working for women's <laughs> causes and whatever. That was great. But yeah, but you but trained me. Uh, I, I realized this was in the 80s that the art scene was changing that um, I mean in particular with during the Reagan era the money just dried up the National Endowment for the Arts which we used to get funding a lot of funding from so did all uh, so many other arts organizations got funding through that and California Arts Council and so we could manage on, you know, grants, basically, with a little, you know, with some help from tuitions and other kinds of fundraising income. But it was largely, we were, we were grant dependent. So the grants began to dry up, the, the climate changed, uh, and I just saw the handwriting on the wall. Arts organizations were going out of business. It just didn't seem like I could build a future for myself in nonprofit arts management. And if I would have built it, it would have been low income forever. And by that time, also, Sherry and I were thinking that we might like to have children, or a child was how we wanted it in those days. And so I thought, I better really think about what I want to do in the future. So I, there was somebody, a, a, a guy at the, uh, who worked at the woman's building in the studio who was a librarian and um, at L.A. Public Library. And I talked to him a little bit about what librarians did he set up a meeting which was so nice he set up a meeting with some of his librarian friends a lunch and just so I could ask questions and find out uh, what librarians did what the role of a librarian was I also at that time went to the library I didn't know anything about librarians but I went to the library and I looked at library journal for many 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 years I just browsed through all the issues to see what kinds of jobs and um, and what 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 kind of jobs librarians did, and also what the what the organization, the Librarian American Library Association, what it did and what its interests were, and it was most important for me to find a job that I could, you know, move around in. That if I needed to, you know, get one job, move from one to the other, and that it had some kind of consciousness, social consciousness, and that I was part of a of the greater good basically and librarianship fit that um through what i through my research into that i realized oh that would be really interesting you know to to deal with that kind of thing and librarians are fairly progressive as a as a whole and so i went to library school and i actually loved library school people told me oh 
just get through it. it it's really not going to be great, but just get through it. And it was like I realized I could do it in a couple of years. And um, this was a master's program. Master's program, master in library science. And I um, there was a in pro- San Jose. Yeah, so it was, well, San Jose had a library program that was two years long. And coincidentally, just when I was ready to start, they decided to offer the program here in Southern California. So I did not have to commute. Oh, they offered it okay. at Fullerton. So uh, for t- it took me two and a half years. Um, I commuted. It was evenings and weekends. During that time, I worked at the Armory Center for the Arts. Uh, during that period, and I did my library school degree. And I loved library school because everything, all the assignments were, you can research whatever you want and find out about whatever you want. Uh, And so I would do things like, uh, I took a legal bibliography class, and I researched all sorts of things about gay marriage. It was just interesting to me. I did research things about arts, things like that. So I was learning about things I, I was interested in while I was learning about how you research those things. So it was really a lot of fun. So you're at Otis, you're running the library, Feminism is a topic that a lot of the young, the students are interested in. Do they know who you are? Do they know? <laughs> are you, do you find yourself in a situation where uh, they're asking you questions and they, they don't know your background and you almost want to say that you're, you were at the women's building or have you, has anything like that ever happened? Well, they generally don't know about the woman's building, I would say. Oh. The exception, I think, was a lot of people don't know about the woman's building. That's mm-hmm. not unusual. But the exception was when we were doing the Pacific Standard Time exhibition. And in that during that period, which lasted for a really long time during the research phase, and we created a lot of oral histories, and we were um, curating the show and all that, and then the classes would come into the uh, into the gallery. The, the the faculty would take the classes into the gallery and sometimes ask me to come and speak, and I would talk about it. And during that time, I had this really overwhelming sense that I am a living artifact. I mean, honestly, a living, walking, breathing artifact. And <laughs> it was kind of overwhelming because, you know, I felt like, old or something but on the other hand it felt fresh because Mm -hmm. here it was being looked at through new eyes and in new ways and I had not seen all the stuff that we pulled together for that exhibition uh, in a long time I mean I some of that stuff I'd never really seen because it was in files and which is I just didn't go through all the files so um, that when the woman's building closed um, most of the files in the a lot of other things went to the archives of American art only because the Smithsonian, the Smithsonian only because they had a branch at the Huntington and they had a couple of archivists there who were collecting work. And so they came and looked at and they said, Oh yeah, we want this. So they took it, they boxed it up and then eventually they closed that program at the Huntington and they shipped it all to um, DC so that's where they resided and they, you know, organized it and so forth. But, 
you know, it's just, it was just there. And so during the research phase for Pacific Standard Time, Meg Linton and I went to the um, Smithsonian to DC and we spent a week and we looked through every single thing. Wow. And I remember seeing things that, of course, I'd never, you know, I never looked in the files to see, just letters from people, letter from Margaret Atwood saying how great the woman's building was and things like that. And you go, oh, wow, this is, this is really interesting. And um, so then, you know, we had, of course, borrow it from, um, back from the Smithsonian to show in the exhibit. But um, so Meg did it, Meg Linton did a great job on that exhibition. It was a lot of uh, written material and some posters and other things too. But one of the things she did was she decided to ask, the, to kind of focus a little bit on the collectives, the, the kind of performance collectives. So she asked uh, Mother Art, Sisters of Survival, uh, the waitresses uh, to create installations uh, there at the at Otis during that show, and so that was where we got to kind of, you know, present ourselves in ways that you know, kind of like a little retrospective uh, exhibit. So that was great, but the living artifact thing <laughs> just really floored me. <laughs> Well, what was it like in the 70s? You know, I get these kind of questions. <laughs> I just had some students the other day yeah, asking something about that. I was like, oh, yeah, in the old days, this is, this is what we used right. to do. <laughs> um, you never feel the age you are. Yeah, no, no. approached um, John Tain at the Getty and we discussed and so they already had the videos from the woman's building which had gone to um, Long Beach Museum uh, they have the video annex at Long Beach Museum it, it first the videos went there because that was Long Beach's kind of mission when the woman's building closed all the videos went there but then Long Beach closed and they gave all their archives to the Getty so the Getty, when, during Pacific Standard Time, we got a lot of videos. They transferred them, and they were really kind and gave us stuff that we could use in the show. So I, I was really impressed with the Getty. The, the Archives of American Art at the Smithsonian was so difficult. It's like you had to like wear gloves. You could have one folder at a time. You know, you, you, you know, you go there for two hours in the morning, and then you had to leave for lunch. And then it was so hard to like just sort through stuff. And the Getty was just so great. They gave us tours. They had, you know, they would transfer things for you. They make you copies if you ask them. They were really, really nice. And I said, you know, we need to have some stuff to go with that video archive at the and to have place for researchers because by that time last you know five six eight years I started getting all these calls um, from researchers doing their PhD or their master's program and they want to find out about the building or they want to find out about something that happened at the building and could they come and visit the archives and you know so so I thought wow there you know there's there's interest. And if I'm not there, nobody is going to be at Otis know anything about this and be able to really help people. So I was very eager to get the, the, all the stuff that I collected housed in a really um, good place. So that's why it, I just finished last summer um, getting all the stuff to the, to the archives at the Getty.
That concludes another episode of Visitings. Thanks to Sue Mayberry for being on the show and to all of the artists, staff, and supporters of the Women's Building. You can find more information at www.thewomansbuilding.org. Thanks as always to the Echo Park Film Center, Machine Projects, and Dub Lab for letting me share this. I'm Alan Nakagawa, sitting in my living room in Koreatown, saying thank you for listening to Visitings. Thank you.